Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From MCIE. I really wish I spoke German. My name is Tim Viegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, a show where with every conversation, we try to build bridges between families, educators, and disability justice advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. You can learn more about who we are and what we do at MCIE.org. I'm here at the Circle of Friends coffee shop in Woodstock, Georgia, recording my intros and outros for the month of June, so apologies for the background noise. Raoul Krauhausen has been working in the internet and media world for more than 15 years as a disability rights activist and founder of the nonprofit Social Helden, or Social Heroes. He's a communicator, a design thinker, and the internet is his second home where he Twitters, blogs, and posts about things that are important to him. Often humorous and sometimes very serious or sharp-tongued, he has best become known for his invention, WheelMap, a crowdsourced online world map for accessible places, as well as his undercover stay in a group home for people with disabilities and his protest against various German laws affecting people with disabilities. Here's what we cover in today's episode. If there is a difference in the mindset of Americans and Germans when it comes to inclusion and accessibility, a little bit about Raoul and how he got involved with the disability rights movement and what inclusion means to him and how he's been promoting inclusion in Germany. Before we get into today's interview, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Together Letters. Are you losing touch with people in your life, but you don't want to be on social media all the time? Together Letters is a tool that can help. It's a group email newsletter that asks its members for updates and combines them into a single newsletter for everyone. All you need is email. We are using Together Letters so Think Inclusive patrons can keep in touch with each other. Groups of 10 or less are free, and you can sign up at togetherletters.com. And now, my interview with Raoul Krahausen. Raoul Krahausen, welcome yes. to the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for the invitation. I, I feel very honored to join this uh, podcast because I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, I appreciate that. I, um, I, always, I don't always know who is reading and listening. So, that makes that makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I know your pain because in Germany I'm running a lot of podcasts and writing newsletters and blog articles, and I don't know who is reading it or if anyone is reading it. Uh, yeah, but I feel I feel really really um, really good that you invited me, 
And yeah, I was uh, I was wondering a few weeks ago. I was asking myself, how can we get a more international perspective on what can we learn from other countries in terms of inclusion? Because I I, I have the feeling that every country has his own struggles, but maybe we can learn from each other's. That's a great point, Raúl. Because I've talked to a few people. I just interviewed someone from Australia and mm -hmm. talked to a number of people from Canada. And um, I think we all think that everyone else is doing better than we are. Yeah, and Germans <laughs> the same, yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, I'm trying to remember how I learned about you, Raul. I think we connected over Twitter. Yeah. Right. Does that sound right? Yeah. But I don't um, know why... Um, I'm only twittering in German. I don't know how good your German is. Not good. He's a translator uh, and from from Twitter. Uh, now translation gets better and better. Uh, that's how sometimes I read your, your articles because I'm not so used to English uh, um, English uh, uh, words for professionals when we talk about education. Um, but in general. I agree 100% uh, when when you write something. And that's how I came to you, because I'm writing a newsletter since five years nearly about inclusion. And and, and uh, I'm looking uh, not only in Germany for, for ideas and projects and news, but also in the United States. And so I came to your newsletter. Um, well, I am... I am 100% sure that your your English is uh, much better than my German. <laughs> yeah, I studied two years in English, but uh, yeah, I never learned it good at school. It was just by doing. That's, that's amazing. Well, uh, let's talk about inclusion, Raul. Uh, mm -hmm. It can mean different things to different people. So why don't you talk about what you mean when you talk about inclusion? kind of see if it's different than the inclusion I'm talking about. Um, I would say inclusion is the right for everyone to take part in everything, which doesn't mean everyone can get an astronaut, but um, can, can, can become an astronaut because, of course, you have to learn for it and maybe you need some physical skills, uh, which not everyone has. Um, but maybe to to get as near as possible to become an astronaut, that should be everyone's right. And um, the only reason why it doesn't work should be your decision um, because you experience that it's not possible because it's too hurtful or whatever or too hard, um, but not because someone else is telling you it's not possible and you're not allowed to do it. And um, in, in inclusion is um, it's kind of the, the right for equality and equity. So there are people who have more privileges than other people, but we as society need to find solutions so we we get um, equity in this, and so that people who who need more support get this more support, like people who don't need support. Uh, um, get, for example, um, it easier uh, um, in their daily lives. And um, yeah, I, in German, I could explain it a bit better. No, no, that's fine. Um, I think that I think that what you're talking about is a lot. Of, a lot of it is access. So access to everything that everyone should be able to access. And your example yeah, of of becoming an astronaut, if you want to become an astronaut, you want to mm -hmm. become whatever it is you want, um, there shouldn't be barriers because someone has a disability or a, yeah. or a learning difference. Or Yeah, but I would add maybe one, one more thought um, mm -hmm. because when we talk about um, inclusion in Germany, I sometimes have the feeling that it's a kind of, utopia we are talking about mm. and so because it's a utopia uh, we will never achieve inclusion 
and that's why we are not starving. And um, that's a wrong decision because we should aim for that. Like we also should aim for equal rights for, for women uh, and men and, and not, not paying. Uh, it's not possible. That's why we don't do it. And um, when, we, when we talk about inclusion, it also means acceptance acceptance of each other's mm. and not only access because acceptance does also mean I might have a different view of that but I have to accept that you have the same right than me and we, we might argue on that in, in our daily right. um, lives but it doesn't give me the right to tell you you are not allowed as long yeah. as we we are accepting the the laws, of course, but we can also change laws when they are unjust. I think that I, I think uh, well, I, I agree with you uh, that acceptance is a huge part of inclusion. I think that is, I think that is something that ex- is exceptionally difficult. It doesn't mean that we all have to love each other's. We yeah. can also ignore each other's. That's also inclusion. I have also <laughs> the right to tell me that I'm a big asshole and um, I have to shut up um, when my character is, is bad, but not because I have disability. Yeah, I think that's a, I, that's a really good point because uh, I, I think uh, there's a misconception that inclusion means that all viewpoints are um, equally... Uh, that uh, let me say this again. I think there's a misconception about inclusion that it means that you have to accept everyone else's viewpoints and yeah. that they're all valid, but that's yes. not what you're saying. And yeah, and uh, it's not happy land. Inclusion will never be happy land. Uh, it will be a place where we can learn a lot from each other, and learning is also hurtful sometimes. Like when I learned that I had misconceptions and misassumptions in the past, and I can learn to get better in this, and it it affects everyone. I mean, people with disabilities can also learn a lot from non-disabled people, and vice versa. Yeah, but there has that's to be the a... hardest part. The hardest part is to accept that I don't know everything, and there will be someone. Uh, who might know it better and to learn from that and to accept that. Yeah. I think everyone needs to, I think, I think everyone, I think everyone would benefit from that type of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Are the, um, from, from your perspective, when you, um, when you observe or look at the, the cultural climate in the United States is it is it the international perspective or maybe just from Germany that we are divided like politically and um, culturally? Uh, yes, that's a um, something a lot of Germans uh, uh, think about in the United States that the country is divided between two big parties and a lot of radicals. And uh, you have too much weapons in your houses, <laughs> way too much weapons. Uh, here in Germany, we don't have uh, so much weapons at home, and most of them don't have weapons. But we also have a lot of neo-Nazis and uh, travel with them who have not weapons, <laughs> and that's a problem in Germany. Um, but I, I'm not only looking in a negative way on the United States, um, because in the United States, you also have a lot of big um, uh, achievements uh, made in the 90s, like the ADA, Americans with Disability Act, I think it's called, mm-hmm. which got a lot of uh, more rights uh, for disabled people than the Germans have here now. So you can sue everyone which is not accessible, literally, in the United States, but in Germany, we don't have a law for that. So if, if the McDonald's uh, uh, store is not accessible, I, I can't do anything in Germany, um, except it's in a new building. 
but when the McDonald's store is in an old building and you can't do anything. And so that's a problem because 90% of our, of our time, we, we, um, we are living 90% of our time in private, private, uh, um, company houses and, and buildings. So it's not only about the school has to be accessible or the public transport, which is more or less similar or maybe a bit better than in the United States in terms of accessibility. But when we come to the private sector, um, there is a lot of really, really bad things happening here. Mm. Like um, when you want to, to go to a shop or a store or get a cab um, and sit in a wheelchair, it's nearly impossible. And you can't get in with your accessible cap, a cap in, in real time. You have to order it three days in advance. And that's ridiculous because that's not the concept of a taxi. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't seem very um, useful. But on the other hand, I was, I was um, visiting Canada uh, a few years ago, and uh, I met some people with disability there, and they told me, and that really shocked me that they had to pay for the electric wheelchairs uh, with their own money. And in Germany, we have insurances for that. So every German has a health insurance. And if you need a wheelchair, this health insurance pays for it. And it doesn't matter what kind of insurance you have. So, yeah, of course, there are better and not so good health insurances, but everyone has a right for a mobility device. And I, I was once watching the movie um, from who, who was the, the uh, founder of Bowling for Columbine? I forgot his name. Uh, oh, Michael Moore? Michael Moore, yeah. And he made a movie about um, the social systems in Europe compared to. United States, mm-hmm. and he he went to France and um, told and asked people, uh, "Are in your country people existing who are fighting against health insurances? Like, is it socialist or not? Like, the United <laughs> States are thinking." Right. And a, a French guy answered him, "I don't know what the word might be in French, because everyone has a health insurance." And of course, there's no word for that because <laughs> it doesn't make sense to fight against it. Um, yeah, that's very, right. That was a very funny thing. I do. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember some Michael Moore movies. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> there's no word for that. <laughs> I don't know what to Google to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're talking a little bit about the differences um, between the United States and Germany with regard to inclusion. Um, um, but I, I learned something about you. I hope that it's true, is that uh, your parents put you in one of Berlin's first inclusive schools. Is that correct? Yeah, and they did it by accident. They didn't know what happened um, or what will, will happen because my parents were very young. When I um, came, when I when I came to Earth, what do you say? When when I when you were born, when I appeared, <laughs> yeah, appeared. when I was born, <laughs> when I was born, and um, so my mother was twenty years old, and so she didn't have a concept of inclusion into integration, uh, children with disabilities, of course not, and so she was so un unsure what to do that she met other parents with disabled children and there was one family with a girl in a wheelchair two years older than me and um, they just followed their steps and so I'm very thankful for this family that they put their child into one of the first integration and inclusive schools and it started with a kindergarten Um, when I was two, two years old I was uh, together with 15 other children with and without disabilities in a kindergarten. And this group of 15 children uh, went together to the primary school. And so as a group in the same class. 
So the only thing that changed was the, was the building and the, mm -hmm. maybe the teachers. And in Germany, you make six, or in Berlin, you make six years uh, primary school, and then you go to the next school, which is, I don't know, it's a college? No, it's not college. But um, I don't know what the similarity is. Well, so maybe you, said six, you said six years? Yeah. Six, From no, kindergarten? Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Oh, sixth grade to... Um... Uh, well, here we have we have elementary, which elementary is school, okay. ki kindergarten through uh, fifth or sixth grade, and afterwards, and then we have middle school. Middle school, okay. So I was in the middle school with mm -hmm. the same concept. So I took the uh, same class uh, and put it in in another building <laughs> in another mm -hmm. district, which was um, also inclusive. And at this middle school, I got the possibility to make my um, Abitur, which is kind of the highest degree you can get when you go to school, mm -hmm. and to, to get the allowance to, to go to university. Mm, okay. And in Germany, you, you make 13 years uh, school all in all when you want to go to university. If you don't want to go to university, you only have 10 years at school. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I was all the time in an inclusive school in kindergarten. And when I left school, then I found out that this wasn't normal. So that a lot of other children with disabilities had a lot of fights uh, for their right uh, to fight for uh, the right to go to, to a regular school. Otherwise, they would have been put in... Uh, special schools for people with disabilities, which are still existing, and and that's hor horrific, which are growing in Germany. Really? Because, yeah, we have a big issue in that because um, the majority believe believes that people with disabilities need their kind of safe spaces where everyone is caring for them. But nobody's watching if it really is a safe place or if it really is good for them. And because there are a lot of studies from a very big foundation in Germany, which every year comes out, and every year they say exclusion is a problem because people who went to special schools make um, less good um uh, uh, degrees than mm -hmm. people with the same disabilities on regular schools. So, yeah, that's a problem. And yeah. that leads to exclusion. And people with disabilities at special schools sooner or later go to uh, working uh, shelters. No, what is the word for Behindertenwerkstatt? Uh, it's shelter shop, working workshops? No. Yeah, uh, sheltered workshops. Shelter workshops, yeah, uh, where they don't get the minimum minimum wage, where they work a, a lot of time and earn nothing, and that's that discrimination. In the United States, with the UN Convention for the Rights of People with Disabilities, uh, regularly uh, say Germany that they are breaking laws. They are breaking laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. A big, big so thing the. There. Uh, so, so what I'm hearing you say is uh, people will go to work in shelter workshops and they will they will work for less than minimum wage. Yes. So it's still it's still there. There is. So in the United States, there are some states uh, that have passed laws against subminimum wage, mm -hmm. but there are still some states that allow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In Germany, every every state has uh, this shelter workshops uh -huh. and um, the minimum wage doesn't count or doesn't um, people who work there don't get minimum wages because they are not employees. That's a uh, uh, juristical uh, um, definition because people in work shelter workshops are kind of how to say like prisoners mm -hmm. but that you're not allowed to say prisoners to them because that's not the same. Right, right, right. It just it just feels like it. 
it feels like it, and they have less rights, and uh, uh, they they do things that only non-disabled people tell them to do, mm. and so they're the um, like the CEOs of these shelter workshops are never people with disabilities, um, so that's a problem. I mean, it's 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 unjust. It's just unjust. Absolutely. Um, so you said you went to an inclusive school by accident. What, what about the school? Like, why did they include people with disabilities if, if that isn't common practice? Like, what was different about them? I love this question. They also did it by accident <laughs> because um, um, in Germany, we have a situation that every state has this uh, their own uh, education laws. Mm. Um, of course, they all make at the end the same degrees or um, diploma or whatever, but um, every uh, state has different regulations. And um, we have big states and small states. And Berlin is a small state. It's a city-state. Mm. So only Berlin okay. has their own laws. And um, when I went to school, Berlin was divided uh, there was a Berlin Wall, and so there was West Berlin and East Berlin. And I went in West Berlin to a school. And West Berlin was this city where the United States, France, uh, United Kingdom, and uh, these three countries wanted to tell the Russians that Berlin is a perfect answer uh, um, against communism. And so they put it a lot of money in here. And there was a lot of very good social and um, caring social systems, installations, and uh, small schools and nice schools. And um, yeah, that that's one part of the story. And the other part of the story is that there was a law that people with disabilities are not allowed to go to regular schools. But the director of the school uh, where I went didn't know that. So he, he, uh, he just made it. Uh, and it worked. And then when it came out that since years, people with disabilities learned together with non-disabled people, there was a big uproar in, in Berlin. And there was, there was the danger that the people had to leave the school. But instead, they changed the law because there was no, no, um, um, I miss the word. They, they couldn't prove, there was no proof that people with disabilities are uh, mistreated in the school. And um, so I just had luck in this situation. Wow. And the magic at the school maybe also was that we had small classes, like 15 pupils, mm -hmm. and two teachers. And I think that 90% of all the inclusion trouble we have uh, worldwide is that the classes are too big and we have too few personnel to, um, to educate them and teach them. It's only, it's, it's a job of moderation and you need good moderators and you need enough moderators so everyone ha is seen. And it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not. And it was obvious that I won't play soccer with them, yeah? but it was also obvious that if I'm not good at math, I'm lazy. <laughs> and uh, so the, the teachers treated me in the same way like they treat, treated uh, the other non-disabled people in math. But at sports, for example, they agreed that it doesn't make sense for me to make sports. And so I, I got a spare time. Right, right. That's really interesting that that it was by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how and now uh, and then in, in Germany, um I don't know if you if you know one of the most famous uh teachers in, in Germany for inclusion, she is called Jutta Schiller. Hmm. And she's she she wrote a lot of books uh about this issue and she um helped my primary school to to be better in inclusion. And really? To, to, to really uh, develop this concept. And in Germany, we have a name for that. It's called the Fleming model. 
and Fleming was a was the name of the school, and so the Fleming model uh, was quasi it's, it's similar to inclusion in education. So when you talk to teachers and talk about the Fleming model, uh, this was the school. And you and were in you you went to the you went to a school with that called Fleming. Yeah. So that's a Fleming a, country. So wow. School. Yeah. And oh. we had uh, five people pupils with disabilities in our class, and the rest was without disability, which is a big quota. Right. Um, like uh, one third. And right. uh, we had yeah. uh, different disabilities in the class. Like we had someone with hearing aids. We had someone uh, with learning disability. Uh, I was the only one with a physical disability or in a wheelchair. And um, I, to be honest, uh, at the beginning, I didn't identify myself as disabled. Um, because in math and biology and German and lectures, I, I was good. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I was older, when I got, got older, like when sports is more relevant and when, when you have kind of a party and, and, and so it's all about dating and so on. <laughs> um, of course, I realized that, yeah, maybe I'm not the first choice when it comes to dating. And, um, that, that was really a hard time for me. And I started thinking about my position in the society and identified myself for the first time as disabled. Of course, I knew I can't walk. Of course, I knew that I'm sitting in a wheelchair and I need a wheelchair. But my friends never had trouble uh, problems with that since then. And um, so I started thinking about my role in, in this class and identified myself as disabled and um, learned a lot from other disabled people how they cope the situations. Mm -hmm. And there was one one thing which might be a bit a bit um, cheesy to tell, but uh, it, it was really really a very intense feeling for me uh, in the fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, the the girl with a learning disability um, said very intense and very loud that now she also wants to learn to read and write. And everyone in our class said, you don't need to read and write. It's okay when you don't uh, can do it. Uh, you can learn uh, to go to, to a grocery store and to buy something. You can learn to, to deal with money and numbers. But it's really not necessary that you have to write. But she wanted to write and she wanted to read because everyone else read and wrote in the class. And after one year, she was able to write her own name. And that really touched me so uh, deep because I learned from her that if you have a goal and you want to reach this, it's more, more, more as possible than you think. And it doesn't matter what the others say. If you really want to do it, try. And of course, you might not be the next uh, literal Nobel Prize winner, but you can write your name at least. And that's more than everyone else expected. And the only person who knows what you can do and what I want and what not is yourself and not your doctor, not your parents, not your teacher, and not your classmates. Yeah. Which doesn't mean everyone, everyone can achieve everything. That's wrong. But with the right support, you can achieve more than everyone else thinks. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That was, that was great. Um, I, I'm thinking, what put you on the path of what you're doing now? Advocacy, activism. Uh, did you know you wanted to go this route after university? I never wanted to become an activist in, for inclusion and rights for disabled people because I, I was thinking um, this is something I can do of, for granted every time when I want. Yeah, Like if, if I don't get a job and I don't know what to do, maybe I do something for disabled people. But 
I, I, the, the world was so, um, so open for me. And I really wanted to learn so much things. I wanted to go to a radio station and work there. I, I, I really uh, had a lot of interest in media and commercials and advertising and communication. So I studied this. And uh, while studying communication science, um, <laughs> I realized that the perception of disabled people and visibility in Germany is so different from my own perspective, which I never felt represented in the media, I started to get angry. And um, now I knew how to work in an advertising agency. Uh, and so I founded my own one, which is not an advertising agency, but we are a nonprofit organization working with communication um, on how can we change the perspective of disabled people in, uh, in Germany. And I was thinking since a few years um, that by, by telling the people that people with disabilities have the same rights like non-disabled people, I, I will change the world or we could change the world. But now I realized a few years ago that that was wrong. It's not about convincing someone else. It's not about telling people, enough people, that we have the same rights because that's obvious. That is not something I have to teach anyone anymore. If the bus driver nearby doesn't accept that disabled people have the same rights to drive their bus <laughs> in the bus, um, then maybe he should change the job. Yeah, but it's not his, his, um, opinion, uh, which counts. And what counts is if the bus driver doesn't take me in his bus, I want to sue him because I have the right. And so when, when we look into the rights, there weren't, weren't any rights written down that are usable. Of course, in the paper, it's written that you have to treat everyone else the same and so on, everyone the same. But in the end, when the bus driver is allowed to say that his schedule might be um, late when he uh, needs to put out the ramp, and if this right is stronger than the right for me to use the bus, then something is wrong. And there are a lot of similarities and other rights which are wrong here. That's why we started to think about how can we change laws how can we sue companies? Hmm. But to, to have the right to sue a company, you get the right to sue a company. <laughs> That's a bureaucracy act in Germany, very big one. And since this year, we got this right. And next year, we're starting attacking everyone. Turn <laughs> them down. Knives out. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so is uh, your organization... I don't know if I'm going to say it right. Is this is it Social Helden? Yes. Okay. Under this uh, organization, that's the umbrella. Uh, uh -huh. We make all our projects. And that and this organization I founded uh, 17 years ago. Wow. Um, so tell me, um, there is a project that I looked up. I think it was called Wheel Map. Mm -hmm. Right? Um is that a, a current project or is there something more current that you're working on? We have a lot of projects. Um, the wheel map is the biggest one and the first one at the online map for wheelchair accessible places. Um, where the idea was that in Europe, that's a thing in the United States. It's not uh, a big issue anymore, but uh, that everyone who uses a wheelchair can share their information on which places nearby are accessible or not. And um, we started this with our own money, and it's still our own money, so it's very, uh, very expensive, but um, mm -hmm. we're still running it since 12 years. But the idea behind that is we want to convince everyone, every map mapping producer, like Google Maps, Apple Maps, Nokia, whatever you call it, uh, to use this information or at least do the same. So we didn't want the world to know we map. 
we just wanted to show how this could look like when people with disabilities want to know where to go or where to drive. And um, now Google launched their own version of that, which is a bit our goal and uh, our uh, victory mm-hmm. um, because we, we had years and years and years with discussions with them, and now they implemented it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I believe I just heard something about that in the United States about about Google um, yeah. having that accessibility. But Apple not. So we're working on Apple now. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Apple. Yes, we need that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so- um, then we have more projects. We have a project, and, and all these projects built on each other in a way. Mm-hmm. And we have a project which is called a Broken Lifts, where you can see in real time which elevators are broken or not uh, from public transport systems in Berlin, especially. And we convinced the German rail company to open their data about working and not working elevators uh, and put in, put those data under an open data standard. And with this data, now Google can work in their platforms. So when you make a route from A to B, a working elevator might be a relevant information for that. And um, that that's our strategy. We we try to find the, the data, where's the data, uh, where can it come from, how can we mainstream it, and whom have we to convince. And from this project on, we've got experts in, in a way for data, for elevators, for accessibility. And media media companies from Germany approached us and I uh, wanted to to make reports about me, about our company, organization, strategy, and so on. But they regularly failed on how to how to write or talk about disabled people. Mm. So nearly every article started with despite his disability, Raul started a nonprofit organization uh, working on inclusion. But it doesn't matter if I have a disability or not, and it's not despite, it's with, and so on. So tell the people in your article what the project wheel map is, but not what my disability is. And we, we got so annoyed by this situation that journalists weren't able to, to write non-discriminatory about people with disabilities that we built up a platform for journalists on educate yourself uh, how to write about people with disabilities. And it, it worked really well because we started at the Paralympics 2012 in London. And just we just wrote all sports journalists, Paralympics is your day uh, where you can do a lot of things wrong. Um, don't do things wrong, just educate yourself like here. And that really was a very uh, good moment for starting. And that's now we are trying to, to, to give workshops in media companies on representation. How can we change the perspectives? Why don't we have a disabled uh, youth anchor in a television sh- uh, news magazine? Um, why is it still an inspirational story that has to be told mm-hmm. uh, when when we talk about disability? And United States in this is at least twenty years ahead. Like you have Peter Dinklage playing in Game of Thrones right. and being a, a sex icon, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter if if he has a disability or not. And in Germany, we don't have this. Yeah. When you, yeah. when you see disabled people in television, they talk about uh, disability or sports, but not about culture, not about use, not about econo- economics or education, mm-hmm. um, only about problems or sports. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a big problem, uh, and uh, so thank you for telling me about the um, the information you have about for journalists. Because I, I think that, that that is so useful. Uh, in I think in the United States, uh, things are getting a lot better. 
with journalists uh, and covering disability. But yeah, it's definitely. a it's a worldwide problem for sure. Yeah, and the yeah. words are the same. Yeah, in, in, in English you say bound to a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and in German you say an den Rollstuhl gefesselt, which is the same. <laughs> so if you see someone who is bound on a wheelchair, uh, call the police because <laughs> nobody should be bound to a wheelchair. <laughs> because when I when I use the seatbelts, I do it voluntarily. Like when you drive a car, you should do it too. Right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Call the police if you're bound to a wheelchair. I like it. <laughs> uh, but educate the policemen and women on how to treat disabled uh, people well. Yes. Um, in the United States, the, the police... When, when, when I see police in the United States... Mm-hmm. It, it, I always think on military, uh, about mm-hmm. military, because they have so much weapons and so big cars, and they look so, so dangerous. In Germany, we are not not there yet, but they're working on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, really I'm, not, I, I'm not an expert on, on the history of police, but I, I believe that a lot of that comes from this... The military and police are so closely aligned with mm-hmm. how they're run uh, that yeah that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, yesterday I was at the um, at the museum and driving by, and there was a police car, and there was one policeman sitting in, and it was a very 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 small police car, like a smart, you know, smart. Uh, yeah, the smart cars. BMW yeah. Mini, yeah. It was so small that it didn't frighten me any anyway. It was too small to be frightening. And yeah. there's one policeman. What what could he do if someone steals a monument at the museum with his smart? What can he do? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that that was my uh, thought yesterday. <laughs> A lot of people that listen are educators. So um, elementary, um, middle, secondary, all you know from kindergarten up to right before college. Um, and a lot of people listen that already believe that inclusion is the right thing to do, that students with and without disabilities should learn together. Mm-hmm. But as you're thinking about what you would want to tell them, is there anything that comes to mind um, as someone who went through, you know, even if it was an accident, you went through <laughs> school, <laughs> um, an inclusive school. So, so what, what would you want them to know? Um, I would want them to know that every child or young person in a class can be also a good teacher for everyone. And I was the one who made the homework every day. And of course, there were a lot of other children who were copying that uh, when I uh, when I made them. And of course, I can give something back. And disabled people are not only person who take something or need something, but they also enrich a class in many ways. Ways, not only in by inspiration, which I don't like, um, but by sharing homework or by um, uh, uh, being funny or by. Um, bringing uh, empathy or not. <laughs> disabled people can also be assholes, of course, but not because of their disability. And on the other way, there are a lot of non-disabled people and children who never thought about exclusion. And for when you ask children, um, do you have people with disability in your class? They answer, no, we have children. And when when you observe children, how they play, of course, at the beginning, they are curious. They want to know why don't you, why can't you walk, what happened, and, uh, does it hurt, and so on. But they are only for a few hours curious. Afterwards, they learned and accepted that that's Rawif, and uh, now he has a name. <laughs> and um, now we can play maybe cards, but not soccer. And um, 
they invent a lot of games on how things can work out with disability. When I don't know what is the the, the, the English word for um, hit, hit and run, hit and run. It's no, just, not hit. Catch and run. Get and run. Find and run. Like 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 tag. Just play. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And my disability is uh, a brittle bones, like mm. osteogenesis imperfecta. And of course, when children are uh, wild, it's a dangerous situation. And so the children agreed, and the whole class agreed that in the near of of me, in the near of Rowie. And there's no wild, no one wild. So if they want to get some kind of um, a pause to to refresh or drink something, they, they came with their bottles to me because nobody was allowed to be wild in, uh, near me. And But I was in the middle of the game. And you know what I mean? So it's a kind yeah. of invented idea of children. And it's not exclusion. I felt very very included in this play. Mm. And when, <laughs> when, when I remember the, the primary school, we had four floors in the building and a very, 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 very slow elevator, which was so slow that you can't, couldn't use it because um, the time between two hours of a lesson and was too short to use this elevator from the first to the fourth floor. So the children just um, carried me the, the stairs up with my wheelchair. And wow. <laughs> it didn't happen anything, never. And since in the six years, and nothing happened. And no child fell down with me, and I didn't bro- break a leg or an arm or something worse. But and um, now, if you if I tell this, um, everyone would say, "But what what do we do when something happens?" Yeah, but nothing happens. Life is dangerous. Life is dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> and if you don't want something to happen, build a better elevator. Oh, <laughs> well, that's exact. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is like, and we have the misconception on on disabled people with disability that. Um, they have to be um cared in a special way, like um mm. no no overwhelming, no um no not too much pressure, and sometimes I, of course there there might be reasons for this. There might be a situation where it's better for me not to be in a wild environment. Um, but if you protect me from everything. I, I can't learn anything. And I need to know my borders. I need to know uh, which are my real borders or when I, I'm just lazy. <laughs> and every child tries to find out if laziness does also work out. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter what kind of disability you have. Uh, yeah. And if a child really fails because he or she met his own border, then the educator, educator's um, uh, um, uh, responsibility is to help uh, to, to overcome this, um, this feeling of loneliness, of helplessness, of um, really bad feelings come up when, when, you, when you meet your borders. Well, and you see everyone else running, and you realize for the first time that you will never run. Yeah, but it doesn't help me to find me friends in a wheelchair. The only thing that really might help is to help me to accept this border. Wow! Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, so the elevator um, isn't. I, this might be, uh, I, I might be missing the translation here, but isn't your podcast called something about an elevator? Mm-hmm. Yes. But the, the one is a stairlift and the other one is an elevator. Um, the elevator I, we had at school was a stairlift. 
which is just uh, uh, really, really slow things. And when you ask the architect why is this thing so slow, they tell you because of regulations. <laughs> and who made these regulations? And is this person ever using this thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I have a podcast which is called In an Elevator, which um, is a, a very random moment where um, everyone knows how it is to be in an elevator and to meet strangers and to meet people you can't, you can't ignore because you are in a very small room uh, for a short amount of time and you have to deal with this situation. And that's the point where I start talking um, about, for example, inclusion. And everyone has the right to use an elevator. <laughs> and everyone uses an elevator. And maybe the elevator is the only place on Earth where, no, it's not the only one, but it's a, a very good place on Earth where you can meet random people without having influence who uh, enters the elevator or not. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. It's like being in a park, and uh, if the person in the park you don't like, the only possibility you have is to go on another place, but you don't have the right to tell someone else to leave the park. And that's the right. same in an elevator. I love that. Um, and that's inclusion. Everyone that... has the right to ignore each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that the next time I'm in an elevator. That I have the right to ignore the person right next to me, or yeah. talk to them if, if they them. If they yeah. choose if they if they I choose do, to talk I, I back. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you are in a um, in a partnership, but I, I assume that the people you were or are in a partnership with, you met randomly in a place where you didn't expect to meet them, and when when you sit in a in the underground. Most of the time, you ignore each other, but there might be one situation where you fall in love with each other, and that's that's the magic. That is magic. So I met. So I um, I am in a partnership. I I have a uh, I'm married. I have a wife, um, and sh uh, we met at a uh, we met at a rock club in you Los see? Angeles, and it was yes. based on interest. Yes. We were, the there. Yeah. we were there. Um, we actually, uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on <laughs> any podcast, actually. Uh, but um, so I used to play in, in rock bands when I was in college. And I, my roommate was in a different rock band. And I went to go see my friend play at this club in Los Angeles. And my roommate's girlfriend brought it's her friends. Wife. Yeah, and then and so I met my wife at the at the club. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's based on interest. Yes, but yes. and, and that is a thing. Uh, you had the interest to go into a park. You had the urge or interest to 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 use an elevator, and that's a, another. It's a different thing than oh, look there, uh, there's someone else in a wheelchair. Why don't you meet each other and get a date? Because right. that's not based on interest. Right. That's based on characteristics that you may yeah. or may not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, is there, is there anything, Raul, that you wanted to make sure our audience um, knew, uh, like how to, how to get in touch with you? Um, yeah, there are a lot of things in my head, but <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words for that. Because okay. my English uh, vocabulary is not in a professional level, uh, but I try. Um, I don't know how the situation in the United States is, but in Germany, we are listening too much to people who don't have the expertise or the knowledge or the power to decide things. And I don't care what my neighbor thinks about the right of mobility of disabled people or the right for regular schools for pupils with disabilities, uh, I don't care because it's not my mission to educate my neighbor. Um, but it's my mission to, when my neighbor is against it, to 
to use my knowledge that he never gets the right to decide against um, people with disabilities in buses, public transport, or schools. Mm. Um, even if my neighbor is the president, I, I, I would fight um, for the right um, that everyone is the same uh, um, right to, to go to school or have the right of, for mobility. Mm. And why we are listening too much to people who are not experts in this or don't have enough knowledge or not don't have the power, um, we are really um, forgetting and missing out those who are just leaning back and wait um, when they really have to change something. Because when, when the society is discussing with each other if people with disability have the right for education, yes or no, the politicians would never do anything because we have never uh, came up with, 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 with an agreement or we will never come up with an agreement. And if we would do this based on, on discussion in a society, women still wouldn't have the right to vote because the people in power at this time were only men. Mm. And um, so it's, it's not a thing... And to convince my neighbor, it's a thing to convince the decision makers. Absolutely. Um, hopefully we can get more decision makers to listen to this conversation and other conversations <laughs> about inclusion, inclusive education, and disability rights. Um, Raul, yeah, and, and maybe when we talk about in my country, uh, everything is bad, and in other countries, everything is better. Um, it depends on what kind of system you're looking on. In terms of education, maybe it might be better. In terms of getting an electric wheelchair, uh, maybe Germany is better. So we really have to distinguish uh, and differentiate um, and not generalize that in Canada everything is awesome. I'm pretty sure it's not. But in Germany, also. And the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Raoul Krauthausen. Thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. We appreciate your time. Thanks for the invitation. It was an honor. Think Inclusive is written, edited, and sound designed by Tim Viekas and is a production of MCIE. Original music by Miles Kredich. Attention school leaders, did you know that you can team up with the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education to promote inclusive practices in your school or district, regardless of your location? MCIE has partners in Maryland, Illinois, Virginia, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and more joining us in this work. Our goal is to expand partnerships in every state in the U.S. and beyond. The first step is to start a conversation with us. Visit our contact page at mcie.org contact and let us know that you want to transform your educational services to be inclusive of all learners. Also, please mention Think Inclusive in your message to let us know how you found out about MCIE. We can't wait to hear from you. A special thanks to our patrons, Melissa H., Joyner E., Pamela P., Mark C., Kathy B., Kathleen T., Jared T., Gabby M., Aaron P., Paula W., and Carol Q. for their support of Think Inclusive. Thanks for your time and attention, and remember, inclusion always works. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.